0: Good evening, everybody. I sat down at the piano before we came to sit, and as so often happens for me, uh, the music told me what I needed to know, and what I started to play it was exactly what I wanted to say tonight. And I sat down and I played Silence Night. Holy night all is calm all is bright hmm. just those four lines said what I want to talk about tonight and here we are 21st of December the shortest Day of the year, the longest night, when everything goes silent, when we can see the holiness. And in that, we come back to the calmness within us in which everything is illuminated. So this is the darkest time of year. It's not surprising to me that the story of the birth of Jesus, of the Savior, happens at the darkest time of the year. That within that darkness, there is brightness and light. So this is the time of year of silence. The birds fly south. No bird song. The animals seek shelter in the crevices, in the nooks and crannies of the trees. The seeds are waiting under the cold soil, still. The trees have dropped everything that isn't essential and they withdraw the sap. even the Sun seems to go silent at this time of year and visit us less and less so this is what nature is doing and we're part of nature but we forget as humans so we can remind ourselves to return to the natural condition of silence every time this time of year comes it's an invitation And this is so important because silence is the foundation of a contemplative life. It's the foundation. Silence, it quiets our shouting so we can hear what's whispering. It quiets our small self so we can hear our true self. And for this reason, silence can also be frightening. And look how we insulate ourselves from silence. We insulate ourselves from silence with our busyness. Doing, doing, doing. With our devices. You know, any time we have a bit of silence, what do we do? We reach into our pocket and then we pull out our phone and we scroll through to see if we got any messages. You know, we we, uh, flee our silence with the pursuit of anything that isn't right here. And um, so silence leaves us unshielded from all this, from all the inner chaos. We've just unshielded from our fear, from our ambitions, all the painful human emotions. In silence, there they are. And we don't feel protected. Or we might f- fear silence because we fear being silenced or oppressed. And this is really happening. This, this is what humans do to each other. We silence each other and we oppress each other. And that's something that we, we fear often. We want a voice. despite these sorts of things that that are true about silence, that it might be something we fear, it's also the place of joy and happiness and connection and peace. It's both. So I want to talk about silence a little bit differently than we might normally talk about silence. I want to talk about silence in a deeper sense tonight. And I I would like to propose that silence is a response. It's not an environmental condition. Silence is a response to the world, not a world with no chaos or no sound. We crave outer silence, yeah. But our practice points us toward an inner silence as well. And if we miss this inner silence, we miss what the practice is really pointing us towards. And we can sit in the zendo in this quiet and peace. But if we don't find the silence within as a response, we're just chasing after another environment, another condition. So I'll talk a little bit about outer silence and inner silence, because they're both they're both important. Let's start with outer silence about a silent environment so some time ago before the pandemic hit i went to manhattan and boy is that a busy place you know just walking down the sidewalk in manhattan you just you get all kinds of energy from what's going on people jostling and bumping and Going at a breakneck pace, it's it's kind of addictive. You know, I sort of I sort of liked it. I, I, I got into the, the flow of things, and here's this little hermit who shows up on this sidewalks of Manhattan, and I'm just whoa, 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 going down there. Um, so it was sort of to me, it was like the opposite of silence. There was no silence to be had the whole time I was in Manhattan, even though I was staying up on a you know a, a, several floors up in a hotel. Even then, there's no silence there. It was it was busy busy. And I noticed that when I was in that environment, it was energizing, but it also watered seeds of selfishness and and rushing and competition in me. And then when I got home to Guimas, which ironically is about the same size as Manhattan, um, I noticed that this quiet environment, it watered seeds of awareness and honesty and love in me. Uh, so, I could really feel that the the active environment, as exciting as it was in Manhattan, um, didn't bring me the kind of peace that the silent environment brought me. So, our practice asks us to uh, find a way to live simply so that we're not just caught in that kind of addictive busyness that I found on the sidewalks of Manhattan. <clears throat> and our, and our, our precepts um, point us toward this. One of the things that the precepts do for me is they reduce the noise of all the choices that I might have if I didn't have my precepts. All the things that I could do and pay attention to, I can't because I've, I've decided to live by these precepts. So it's just as simple as walking into a restaurant and I open up the menu. And I can see that I have three vegetarian choices instead of 50 meat choices. And that makes it so much simpler for me because I can decide, oh, let's see, do I want the pasta or the salad or the soup? You know, and it's, it's, it just really um, silences my wanting mind to create that environment of, of simplicity. I find that when I sit on my front porch, I don't do it too much in this, when it's this cold right now, but a lot of the year I like to sit on my front porch and it's very quiet. And so when it's quiet like that, I can hear the wings of the raven fly by this kind of electric sound. It's amazing that the, the air and the feathers of the raven. Uh, I can hear that because I found an environment that's quiet. I found some outer silence. If my front porch were next to I-5 in downtown Seattle, I'd never hear that raven. It just wouldn't be possible. I'd hear other things. I'd hear trucks and horns. And but I wouldn't hear that raven. So part of this outer silence is a, is a silent environment. And uh, I hope that we all find our way to those silent environments because they can be so healing. So another outer silence is the silence of our behavior. For instance, um, not speaking is a behavior that can um, bring an environment of outer silence. Uh, there's lots of stories in the in the sutras about when the Buddha is questioned by someone, usually by someone very intelligent, that that is thinking about what the Buddha has taught in a philosophical way and thinks, aha, I've got gotcha. you. If you say this, then that's wrong. And if you say that, then this is wrong, so you're stuck and I got gotcha. you. And they would try and paint the Buddha into a corner, intellectually. And the Buddha invariably responded with silence. He just simply did not say anything. He had silent behavior. And that spoke volumes. That was the teaching. Uh, Another another famous story is uh, uh, about the flower sermon, where the Buddha gave a talk and his talk consisted of simply holding up a flower. And there were hundreds of monks and nuns in attendance and almost every single one of them looked and went, uh, kind of head scratching and, but one Mahakasapa smiled and he knew that the Buddha's talk was simply holding up the flower showing the miracle. That was the whole talk. And Maha Kisapa smiled. And the Buddha knew, knew that he understood. So not speaking can be a very powerful way of speaking silently and creating outward silence. Another kind of silent behavior that I like to practice is not disturbing the world. not disturbing the world. So I remember a time when I was at the Garrison Institute. And the Garrison Institute is a, a, a former Catholic monastery. It's this beautiful, big, old building. <clears throat> and there's several floors of monks cells, long hallways with these cells on either side, handmade doors with handmade latches. And uh, it's, an, it's old. And so when you walk down the hall in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, the floor squeaks. You know, creak, creak, creak with every step. And there was something about being there where I realized that I did not want to disturb the world with the sound of my walking. So I found a way to walk that minimized the creaking of the floor. It just felt respectful. I didn't need to announce my presence I could simply be in the silence there so when I think of not disturbing the world as an expression of outward silence I think of the quality of humility about not imposing myself on others do I really need to walk into that room of people and start talking maybe not do I really need to make the attention come to me maybe not that feels like a gift that I can offer not disturbing the world with my behavior I, I noticed uh, recently that the Skagit River was high and running and moving a lot of water but it just does it completely silently. You don't hear the water flowing by. But the little trail up on Guimas Mountain, there's, in this time of year when it's been raining a lot, there's little rivulets running down the trail, and they make a lot of noise. A little tiny bit of water and a lot of noise, and the great big Skagit River and almost no noise. That seems to me to speak of the humility of a silent behavior. It doesn't mean we're not doing a lot or, or accomplishing something. We just don't have to do it in a way that uh, clutters the world with noise. So that's outer silence. <clears throat> and that that to me is the the less impactful of the silences. So I'd like to I'd like to turn our attention now to inner silence for a few minutes. So I said this earlier, I'll say it again. Silence is a response. It's not an environmental condition. What do I mean by that? Silence is like a clean room ready to welcome visitors. You ever done this when you're gonna have someone over and you clean the clutter up out of your living room so that when they come, there's a kind of openness, a calm, a peacefulness? That's, that's the closest analogy I can paint, I think, to what it feels like for me to have silence as a response. I have cleaned my inner environment so that it is available to welcome what comes, without clutter, without conflict. And that inner silence and the outer silence, I think they enter R, they support each other. It's hard to find that inner silence on the sidewalk of Manhattan. Much easier for me to find it on my front porch. So they enter R. Basho, the great Japanese haiku poet uh, wrote this in about uh, 1689, I think. In the utter silence of the temple grounds, a cicada's voice alone penetrates the rocks. In the utter silence of the temple grounds, a cicada's voice alone penetrates the rocks. So when he says, the utter silence of the temple grounds, I think he's pointing at the inner silence of our practice. That's the temple. Our practice. Our mind. And it's only when there's utter silence in our temple that the cicada's voice can penetrate the rock of our head of our resistance, of our busyness. Only when the cicada's voice is alone within our inner silence is it available to us. But luckily, I think this inner silence is a natural state for us. I think it is there all the time if we don't stir up, what fills it? There's a, a lovely story about Tai um, uh, welcoming a, a young child on, on retreat and they were serving the children unfiltered apple juice. And uh, he put this glass of unfiltered apple juice down in front of this child. And she looked at it and went, ooh, and she didn't want it because she's used to having clear apple juice. And so she left it and ran away. And, and so they left it there on the table for her. And, and some time later she came back and she saw that it was now clear apple juice because the sediment had settled out. So she drank it right down with glee. I think that our natural state is clear apple juice, that we don't have to work to make it so. It just is so. We simply have to find a way to calm our own apple juice inside let it settle but it's our habit energies that obscure that internal apple juice that in- obscure our internal silence our natural silence and one of the, the primary uh, habit energies that I know in my mind and maybe you have this problem as well is forward and past thinking. You know, always thinking to the future and the past. I think we're all addicted to feeling the imagined experiences of the past and the future right in the present moment. And we just do it again and again. We feel what our mother said to us when we were seven. We feel what we fear might happen when we go to the dentist next week. We're addicted to that. So we're not even here when we're here. And look at our tendency again to pull out our phone and distract us. I, I saw when I went to the Grand Canyon, so many people would hurry up to the edge of the Grand Canyon, to the rim of the Grand Canyon, and pull out their phone and look at it through their phone, but not see the Grand Canyon at all. It's kind of like us pulling up the past and the future. Um, Or we sit down at the table with our beloved for dinner, and we don't even notice that they're really there. We're not not where we are. So a still mind sees more deeply and responds more appropriately than a distracted, time-traveling mind. And it's so wonderful because this is our natural state, so when we do this, when we become mindful, when we come back to the present moment, the silence of mindfulness will naturally bring a half smile to our face. When we realize that our beloved is sitting right across the table from us while we're eating, we naturally smile just comes up. And it even happens when the conditions aren't to our liking when we come back to them just as they are. You know, I I just recently traveled, and I was standing in the uh, waiting for the shuttle to pick up my car outside at the airport, and it was much colder than I expected, and I was cold. But if I just paid attention to it, the half-smile was right there. The inner silence welcomed it all. Our environment doesn't have to be perfect for this inner silence to bring the half-smile to our face. So let's talk about how we actually do this, because we have this wonderful practice, and this practice is designed to foster this kind of inner silence foster our awareness of this kind of inner silence. This evening, Sandra, when we arrived before sitting, five minutes before the official opening of our sitting, she invited a bell. And our conversation that was so lovely, we were welcoming each other and chatting about this and that, we ended that. And we came back into a receptive silence. So this practice um, is not one that shuts us down. It's one that opens us up. When we hear that bell, it's an invitation to fullness, an invitation to the fullness of silence, instead of the shallowness of chitter chatter. And then we sat down together And Sandra again invited three sounds of the bell. And as we did that, we began to make room for that still, small voice of our own wisdom that's inside us. We made room for the sort of insights that can only be heard by a silent mind, a mind that isn't seeking the past or the future. It's not seeking to gain something or avoid something. It's a mind that says, I'm here for just this. And so we sat down in a particular posture. We sat down in a posture that was supportive of the dignity of us as human beings. And and that's really important, whether you're sitting in a chair or whether you're sitting on a cushion. Whether your legs are in a lotus position or your feet are flat on the floor, either way, what you did when you sat in that way, you slowed the momentum of your body. You made a silence of your motion. And we can do that throughout our day. It doesn't have to be just when we sit on the cushion. We can do that when we're breathing. We can silence. The distraction and notice the breath when we're eating we can create the inner silence to really receive that amazing satsuma that's available to us this time of the year mm, so wonderful and tart when we take a step walking from our bedroom to the kitchen We can notice each foot falling on the floor in that internal silence. But sometimes we don't have an environment in which it's easy to do that like we do with our sitting and walking practice, what what we're doing tonight. This makes it very easy. But it doesn't mean that we can't find silence, even in a busy environment like that Manhattan sidewalk. It's, it's more challenging, but we can do it. We can do it. We can still, in the midst of chaos, come home to this breath. I remember recently when my, my niece was dying and I was at her bedside. It was, a, it was a very difficult moment. It was a, a lot of chaotic emotions. But I did have my breath. I could come back to my breath. I could find that internal silence in which to hold that experience simply by coming back to my breathing, to my steps, to the, to the blue sky that was right outside the window. Even in that very difficult moment, even on that Manhattan sidewalk, those things could not take away my birthright of inner silence. So this is one of the reasons why I think it's really important that we have a solid practice. Because a solid practice enables us to touch that healing silence again and again. To trust it for ourselves, to know it for ourselves, so that when we find ourselves in the difficult times, we know what this internal silence tastes like, smells like, feels like. And this isn't just for our benefit. When we can touch this in the midst of a, a group of people who are suffering, or a society that's suffering, Everybody benefits, not just us. So the good news here is is that our silence is innate to us. It is our birthright and ultimately it is effortless. We don't have to create the silence. We don't have to push away the things that we're suffering with. It's innate. When we let go of the effort, there it is. When we let go of the chaos, there it is. So that's why we practice, because we retrain those habit energies that sweep us away and it gets easier and easier and easier to touch this silence. So these words of Franz Kafka I love about silence, he said, you do not need to leave your room. Remain sitting at your table and listen. Do not even listen simply wait do not even wait be quiet still solitary the world will freely offer itself to you to be unmasked it has no choice it will roll in ecstasy at your feet i love that When we find that stillness, when we sit at our table and we listen and then stop even listening, when we wait, when we stop waiting, when we're just quiet and still, the world offers itself freely to us and rolls in ecstasy at our feet. Mm. Wonderful. So should we do a little exercise? That's a lot of words. Maybe, maybe let's taste this for ourselves, shall we? Shall we taste this so we know this silence? It's not some abstraction some guy's talking about, but it's your real experience. Let's try it. So I'll invite the bell. And as I do, I, I invite you to settle into your breathing. As you are aware of your breathing, notice your in-breath. With each in-breath, welcome things just as they are. Pleasant or unpleasant, welcome it all. We don't need a silent environment to dwell silently. Simply what be what is. What is present can be present. Now bring your attention to your out-breath. With the out-breath, release any disturbance that arises with what's coming in on the in-breath. What comes in simply is. The disturbance is what we give to it. So let that disturbance go. Respond to this moment with silence. Respond to this moment like a still pond mirroring the Sparrow's flight. The Sparrow flits back and forth. But the Sparrow does not ripple the pond. The pond does not reject the Sparrow. With each out-breath, respond like the silent pond, not disturbed, not disturbing. breathing in whatever comes responding with an outbreath of silence taste this true silence Know this for yourself. Trust this for yourself. Rest in this receptive, fertile, bright, silent night. Silent night, holy night, all is calm.